Mark Twain said, it's uh, easy to quit smoking. I've done it thousands of times. We make our habits, and then our habits make us. We make our habits, and then our habits make us. You've probably heard this old uh, yarn. It goes something like this. You sow a thought, right? You sow a thought. Sow the seed of a thought, and you reap an act. You keep sowing that seed of a thought, and you eventually you reap an act. You sow the seeds of that act over and over again, and you reap a habit, You sow the seeds of habit over and over again, and you reap a character. You sow the seeds of your character into your life, and you reap your your destiny. Sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Now, what if I told you that there is a way to sow into your life Seeds of, of focus, a very simple but not easy, simple but not easy focus that, that can go with you everywhere that you go. It, 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 what, if I, what if I told you that there's a, a habit that you can develop, a focus that you can develop that will be the secret sauce of every conversation you have for the rest of your life? What if I told you that there is a, there's a way to, to, to achieve a certain focus in your life if you sow that thought and that act and that habit that can help you deal with the most difficult people and the most tense situations of your whole life? A very simple but not easy focus for your life. There is, and it's found in one simple but not easy verse of Scripture, Matthew 7, verse 12. Hear God's word this morning. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. May God bless us through this reading of his holy word. Let's pray. Father, bless this word, not only to our minds, but to our hearts and our souls and our strength. Not just to think it, not just to think holy thoughts, not to be religious people, but Lord, to be your people everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen. The golden rule, right? Do unto others what you would have them do unto you. And you're thinking, Robert Fulgham, everything I ever needed to know I learned in kindergarten. Thank you very much. I got up and I put on my shoes and socks for this. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's simple, but it's not easy. So let's, let's look at what this focus really is. What, what is this golden rule? What is it? It says it's the law and the prophets, but let's, let's dig into what exactly are we being asked to do here. And then let's ask, how do we achieve that kind of focus everywhere we go? How do we achieve that and where? 
All right, so what is it? How do we achieve it? And where do we apply it? First, what is, what is this thing we call the golden, golden rule? What is it? it? It is a living and breathing definition of love. You ever thought of it that way? I mean, it says this is the law and the prophets, but what's the spirit of the law? It's a, it's a law of love, and it's not the warm, fuzzy kind of love. It's, it's, the, it's, it's action more than attraction, right? When you hear the word love, a lot of times you kind of think something kind of sort of mushy or you think of something sentimental, you think of something emotional, but love is more action than attraction. And so this is a living, breathing principle. That's why, that's why it's, it, it moves with you. It moves into every situation. This is one of those, those verses, and this, is, this captures a principle that can be applied everywhere you go. It lives, it breathes. Why? Because you're asking a question of yourself, not what would Jesus do, not the bracelet that says WWJD. You ever think about this? Now, I'm not, I'm not poking fun. I understand. There, there are lots of, of trends that we and, and things that help us refocus. But, but, but we don't have to ask the question, what would Jesus do? He's already told us what to do. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Let me say that again. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. What should, how should I handle this situation? Let me go seek guidance from the high mountain. Somebody sitting in the lotus position. How should I handle this difficult person in my life? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, something unexpected came up, and I don't know whether or not I should sort of cut the corner or if I should go ahead and, and do the right thing. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's so simple. Let's pray. Now, here's the reason why it's so difficult. One of the reasons why it's difficult is we have, this, we have these triggers that create this sort of fight or flight, all right? And so you're in that difficult situation or that difficult person or those difficult circumstances, and you, wanna, you, you either want to fight or you want to you wanna back off. That's our reaction. But see, this, this verse isn't calling us just how to respond. It's saying, take initiative. This principle has been uh, sh- it's shown up in every sort of religious system for thousands and thousands of years. Usually it says, don't do to other people what you wouldn't want them have to do to you, right? But Jesus is turning it around. He's saying, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. There's a certain initiative. There's a certain responsibility he's handing over to each one of us. But our reaction is normally sort of fight or flight. We, f- we fight. Why do we fight? We fight because we want power, we want control, we want things our way, right? I, I laugh about uh, the-, the way that a lot of people fight sometimes. It doesn't take very long. If, if, have you noticed that if somebody is losing an argument, they'll call you a name? And sometimes it's not necessarily like a, a, a direct name. It's like, oh, you're one of those or something like that. They'll call you a name, right? Because they, they, they don't want to give up the power or control. And there, there's a lot of name calling these days. And it's as if they're trying to just sort of frame things the way they want you to think. 
but it ends conversations rather than actually beginning conversations. All of, all of this name-calling that we see in our news media and social media, it's the end of the conversation. It's not the beginning of one. It's because we want power. We want control. We want people to think the way we think. We want them to believe what we believe. And, and we think that, that overpowering them in conversation is going to get us somewhere. It's not. It's not. It pushes people away. But the other thing that we do is we flee. We flee. We, it's fight or sometimes it's flight. We back off. We, we just want to keep the peace. We want everybody happy. Why? Just, we just want we, people to like us. We wimp out because, why? Because we want people to like us. We just we want to keep the peace. We don't really want peace. We just want to keep things, you know, we just want to be okay. We want a safe place everywhere we go. Safe places are driving me crazy. I don't know about you, but we want to be safe, and so we back off, and we don't do the thing that we're called to do. If somebody said, well, sum, summarize your faith for me. Give me your, you ever heard of an elevator speech? An elevator speech? It's like, uh, it's like summarizing something big and important and complex between the first floor and the sixth floor, right? You've just, you've gotten on the elevator, and you've pushed the, the six, and someone says, what, 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 are your, uh, what are you all about? What's, your, what's Christianity all about? What, in, in practice, what is, it, what is it all about? Well, you have your elevator speech. It's do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's what it is. You think, well, Tim, that's, that's, that's very human-centered. I mean, that's just focused on people relationships. How does it, what does that have to do with, with, with loving God, with, with following after God, with, with becoming more spiritual, with, with those moments that we enjoyed earlier, with uh, those rapturous, you know, the, that, that Pauline rapturous deep prayer. What, 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 you know, you're just talking about human relationships. Well, not necessarily. I think the reason why this golden rule has been, it, 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 we didn't call it the golden rule until about 1600. 16, we, I say we, I remember it well, 1600. <laughs> is when we started calling it the golden rule. But the reason why it's called the golden rule is because it does summarize. It says, this is the law and the prophets. And you're thinking, well, I, I, I don't see the connection between people, relationships, and God. Help me, help me out with that. Well, I'll, I'll give you a little quick story. Um, you may have heard me mention a time or two that we had triplets, and... Um, and when they were young, now they're spread all over the country, but when they were young, they would like to get in the car like other boys and girls would like to get in the car. They would, they would have some interesting words uh, exchanged with each other about who was sitting where, right? Somebody would want to be here and the other person would want to be there. And so it was either going to be every time we got in the car, we were going to go through this or we we're going to have some kind of system, right? And so Beth created this little, she created this little pocket thing that was on the, 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 the dashboard. And it was a, it, it, you know, she just sort of rotated there. They all had an assigned color, all right? I know, it's crazy. So they all had assigned color. So, so every time we got in the, the car, it was just like she'd sort of rotate that color, and then it was like, that's where you're supposed to sit. That's the end of that. 
But, but you don't want to just create a system where they, they can't work through some things. They have to, they have to work it out. They've got, to, they've got to figure out how to relate to each other. And sometimes, you know, they would not be relating very well, and we'd be riding down the road, and then one of them would start to sweet-talk me, right? Like, they knew that the Dairy Queen was coming in about five miles, and then it's like, Daddy, Daddy, you're the greatest dad in all the world, right? And then here comes, here comes the, the sweet-talking. It's like, they want to relate well to me because they, they want... They want a blizzard, right? And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? You, you want to please me? You want to please your dad? Then relate well to each other. Aha, now you got it, right? The golden rule. Did you get it? You want to please the father... Learn to relate well to each other. There's a, you know, in the, in the Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah is, is talking about uh, how the, the kingdom of Israel might become, you know, this, this picture of, this beautiful picture of the kingdom of God on earth, right? And I love this, this, this turn of the phrase that says, you want to run with horses, you're striving for this great, this great ideal of the kingdom of God. You want to relate well to God. You want, you want to live in eternity. You want, to, you want a, a life of great significance and worth. You've, you need to learn first to, to strive with your fellow man before you can learn to run with horses. And so the golden rule, what is it? it it's a summary of the law and the prophets. Because when we're relating well to each other, when, when we have that kind of focus, when I'm thinking not about just myself, but I'm, my rule of thumb, my, my principle, the principle everywhere I look, like, like a spotlight, right? Everywhere I look, I can say, do unto others as I would have them do unto me. I can go over to this situation and I can say, do unto others as I would have them do unto me. It applies everywhere. It is the life focus to which each one of us is called, if we're called to follow Christ. And so you can see why, why this is the content of the faith in action, because it applies to everything. That's the what. It's a living, breathing definition of love, more action than attraction. Now, how do we do this? You think, yeah, I keep saying, you know, it's simple, but it's not easy, right? It's simple, but it's not easy. Let's look at that for a minute, because how we do it, the practice is, is difficult. And you know, they say practice makes perfect, right? Wrong. Practice makes permanent, all right? What you practice is what you get. Practice makes permanent. You go out... And you, you're, you're swinging a tennis racket and you're swinging it the wrong way and you're swinging it the wrong way, you're not making perfect, you're making permanent. You're training yourself to hit the ball the wrong way. And one of the things that, that makes the golden rule so difficult is, well, actually trying it. <laughs> 
with real people in your life, especially the ones related to you. I know that's what you're thinking. Right? Makes me think of this, this story, and, and this captures the, the essence of what it means to, to have something that's simple but not easy. All right? The first great artist of the Renaissance was named Giotti. And the Pope at the time, Pope Benedict XI, was looking for artists to, um, to beautify the, the Vatican. And so he sent out uh, courtiers all over Italy, and they had heard of Giotti's reputation as a great artist. But they were looking here and there, and they, they wanted people to submit samples of their work. And when the courtier, when this particular courtier got to, to, um, to Giotti, told him the situation and said, you know, the Pope would like to see a, a sample of your work. The, the famous story is that, that Giotti took uh, out a piece of, of whatever, a piece of paper, and he drew a perfect circle. Yeah, go try and do that, <laughs> right? Go try, yeah, I mean, go try and draw a perfect circle. That's a circle, yeah, it's kind of a circle. You got a little, you know, I mean, it's sort of morphed on one side. It's kind of dented over here, right? Oh, it's more of an oval, actually, when I do it. The courtier said, this is, your, this is what you want me to show the Pope? He said, yeah, that's what I want you to show the Pope. You sure you don't want to send any? No, I don't want to send anything else. You think this is enough? He said, oh, this is more than enough. It's a perfect circle. And the courtier thought he was being punked, you know? And so he took, and he even thought of it, that, that's the word he used. And he said, are you punking me? And, and so he took, he took, he took this, this piece of paper and he shows it to the Pope. And the Pope looks at this thing and says, that's a perfect circle. And Giotti was the one who became the primary artist for the Vatican after that. A circle simple, isn't it? Simple. It's simple. Until you go try to draw one, right? <laughs> A circle is simple until you go try to draw one. So whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Simple. Right? Until you go try it. You go try it with that situation where somebody you know is very upset with you. Right? And you bring up that tense situation and all of a sudden they, they get upset. And you can see it in their face and... And you can hear it in their tone of voice. And suddenly, your seat starts getting hot, right? You're in the hot seat, right? And you're uncomfortable because they're mad at you, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Can you do that in that moment? Circle is simple until you go try to draw it, right? That's what makes it so difficult. You know... In order to avoid doing what I just described, the Pharisees 
carved the law up into 613 different sub-laws. Did you know that? I mean, they, they carved it up and they said, there's 613 different laws. Now go and good luck with all that, all right? Just, just go and take care of all those and you'll be fine. And Jesus draws us back again and again and again into face-to-face relationship, dealing with each other. Why? Because he, he, didn't, he didn't want us professing with our mouth without living it out with our lives. He didn't want that. He didn't like that. In fact, that's one of the things that he hates. Jesus stamps out that kind of hypocrisy. Oh, Lord, we love you, but we hate each other. No, he doesn't want those kind of people. He doesn't want us being those kind of people. He doesn't want that from us. He doesn't want it for us. And so he summarizes it and he says, just look, this is it. This is the spirit of the law. You think, okay, so we're just supposed to go and be nice to everybody. Is that what you're saying to him? Just go be nice. Now, this isn't about the nicey-nicey game, okay? This isn't about the, you know, just... Just make sure everybody's happy. I already, I already mentioned to you that flight, that looks like flight. It's just like, I just want to please everybody. I just want everybody to be happy with me. I just, I just want everybody to like me. That's, this is not the nicey-nicey game. If, if I'm running towards a cliff, right, and you step out, stick out your foot and trip me, right, I will thank you later, right? I mean, I'll thank you, but I'll thank you later, right? I'm going to look at you and say, you, you tripped me. And then later I'll realize that you did unto me what you would have me do unto you. I was running towards a cliff. I didn't know it. You stuck out your foot. You see, that's, that's a little bit more complex picture than everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Sometimes being good isn't being nice. Sometimes doing the right thing means sticking out your foot when somebody's running towards a cliff. And so this is the summary of it. This is how we do it. And the reason why it's so difficult is the person in front of you. That's why it's so difficult. The tension, the relationship, the emotion of the moment makes the golden rule difficult. It's simple, but it's not easy. So where are we supposed to practice this? I mean, where do we get started? You know, you know, how far do we go with this thing? I mean, do we just, is this just a family thing? Is it a church thing? Is it a business thing? Is it a world thing? Is it a community thing? I mean, when, when we're interacting with people across town that are just very upset with us just because... Uh, you know, uh, of where I stand. If I'm, if I'm face-to-face with a, a Republican or a Democrat and I happen to be the opposite, I mean, am I supposed to do this? I mean, how, what is it supposed to look like? It's everywhere. That's where it is. Where are we supposed to practice this? Absolutely everywhere. Now, see, this is what I battle. I battle this in myself, and I battle this every time I step up here, I think, this is This is church time, right? You know what I'm saying? This is the compartment where we think a certain way, okay? And I know that you all think this way sometimes because, like, if anybody ever says a cuss word around me, right, they're like, right? You know, I mean, that's that's the attitude. It's like, 
don't cuss, you're in church. I'm not saying it's okay to curse in church. I'm saying, why is it bad here? Why is it bad if I hear you? I mean, I'm not even supposed to know those words, right? <laughs> so how would I know what you're saying? See, I've just illustrated for you, and you've just felt it, right? You feel that, don't you? You feel that? The compartmentalizing of our lives. We have one ethic over here and another ethic over here, and we begin to slip into this religious-ness. We start thinking like religious people rather than people who've been restored by grace through faith, rather than people who have a relationship with God that restores relationship with each other. We start thinking like religious people. And Jesus is saying, he's saying with this, he's saying, I don't want people just to, I don't want you to sprinkle uh, amens and hallelujahs on everything. I don't want pietism I don't want you to just sort of try to gin up this, this kind of religiousness in everything you do. What I want you to do is to do unto others as you would have them do unto you in every area of your life. That's, that's, that's what he's asking of us. I remember hearing a, a friend of mine who was starting a business many years ago, and he went to this, uh, this seminar. He paid a lot of money to go to this seminar. He said, I said, what did you learn from that seminar? And uh, he said, well, it's kind of interesting. I paid all this money, I flew over there, I sat down, I said, the main takeaway for me was the CEO of this huge Fortune 500 company who said, I've got one piece of advice for you, entrepreneurs, do what you say you're going to do. Do what you say you're going to do. And it just struck me, it struck me that here is, that there is a need for that kind of message. <laughs> I mean, there's a need for that kind of message. For a young entrepreneur to fly across the country and sit down and listen to somebody who has been successful at that level, and he's looking around the world and he's saying, this is what we need out of you people. You ready? No, you might want to write this. Well, okay, you don't have to write this down. You might be able to remember it. Just do what you say you're going to do. You see... This is what we're called to do and to be. In every room, to be the same person. Not the cussing person over here and the non-cussing person over there. All right, this is about cussing. This isn't about cussing. I'm just, it's an illustration, okay? Not one person, not one set of ethics over here and another set of ethics over there. Not one way of thinking about life over here and another way of thinking about over there. That doesn't mean that we don't do things special, like you see the, the table before you today. But why do we do this, why do we do this, this supper like this? I mean, it's an everyday kind of thing. We're having some bread and, and some juice. It's simple, right? So simple. Simple is a circle simple, right? But what, what, what the meal represents, like the verse, is to get more and more of the re redemptive relationship you're experiencing with God into more and more areas of your life. Not to be more religious people, not to be holier-than-thou people, not to sprinkle amens and hallelujahs on everything, but simply to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's, it, it's like I said a few weeks ago with that illustration about the little girl who said, I, I need, Daddy, I'm afraid of, of the dark. And he says, you know, pray to God. And she says, I need somebody with skin on. That's you. You're called to be that person. Jesus with skin on. How do we do that? It's simple. 
It's simple, isn't it? But it's not easy. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Schaefer said this. Francis Schaefer, great apologist, one of the great intellectuals of the 20th century. He said, The basic problems with Christians in this country over the last 80 years or so in regards to society and government is that they have seen things in bits and pieces instead of in total. They have very gradually become disturbed over permissiveness, pornography, public schools, breakdown of the family, abortion, all these different public issues. But they've not seen this as a total. Each thing is a part, a symptom of a shift from a worldview that was at least vaguely Christian. And then he says this, a defective view of Christianity is one that does not institute the lordship of Jesus Christ. That is, the application of Christianity to every area of life, starting here and today. How do we take this with us? How do we have this vision for the Christian life that has legs? Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we stand and say that what we believe right now? Let's stand. People of God, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, bless this meal. Would you transform it, set it aside, sanctify it, that we may be set aside for a good work, that all we do and say may bring honor and glory to your name. Amen.